This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neal. I hope you're all doing well. I know you're all sick to the teeth of me saying it, but I'm currently back in Leeds. I feel like every start of the podcast is like, I'm back in Leeds, I'm back in Belfast, I'm back in Leeds, I'm back in Belfast. It literally chops and changes every single week. I am back in Leeds as of yesterday. I'm here for my final three weeks of teaching. And then I've got, I do actually have some deadlines like after the classes end but I haven't booked my flight home yet I'm gonna just wait and see how I'm feeling and how work is going before I book any flights however I am actually going to London today (laughs) I put up a story on my Instagram yesterday being like back in Leeds how long do you reckon I'm gonna last here and the options to vote were one day one week or three weeks 21% of you guys voted one day 65% voted one week and 14% voted three weeks. So yeah, it's really nice to know you all believe in me. But I mean, you're not wrong. I am literally going, I'm leaving after a day to go to London. Although I'm not going back to Belfast, so we're making progress. (laughs) Baby steps. On last week's episode, I was saying to you that I hadn't had the best of weeks. Like I just hadn't been feeling great in myself and I'm with my skin and the whole identity crisis, you know. But I'm actually very happy to say that I had the nicest last weekend and couple of days there at home before coming back which is almost like I mean it's a great thing don't get me wrong I'm not saying that having a nice time isn't a good thing but it makes you want to be home more for that because you want more of that but then you have to realize that's not what it's like all the time although I'm gonna try and make it be what it's like all the time over summer I'm determined not that I'm determined sorry I'm convinced like I've, I'm manifesting that I'm gonna have literally the best summer ever and I just know it to be true I feel like by that stage I'll be finished with uni I'll be in a way better mindset I'll be on my gym buzz on my cold water swimming buzz on my meditation buzz what else on my yoga buzz does the list keep going on my journaling buzz I'm just manifesting the most beautiful summer ever and also I've booked to go Greek island hopping which I have honestly talked about doing since I was like 13. Like my mum used to always talk about when she went Greek island hopping when she was I don't know like 18. I think she did it a few summers in a row. They would all go and go to the Greek islands and get jobs and literally stay in tents like camp and the campsites and get little jobs in bars and then get sacked a week later because they'd not show up to work she said it was just like the best summers of her life and 
I've always wanted to do it since then, but I've always kind of had this perception of the Greek islands now as being like really bougie, really expensive, really overly touristy, you know, like when you picture Mykonos and Santorini and stuff. But I think as with everything, it is what you make it and you can avoid certain tourist traps. Like we are going to some of the more touristy ones, but I'm also going to go to some of the way more quiet ones. I also had it in my head that I would get away with it being like the way I did in Asia where I would literally just not plan anything and just like book the next place as I go but you really can't get away with that in Europe you kind of have to get on top of it with planning and booking your accommodation if you don't want to be left with either something that's really shit or really expensive so (laughs) I have had to get on top of it for that reason I've booked like my first Wait, I booked one of my accommodations and I think when you start booking accommodation it starts to feel so real and I'm just getting really excited. I also haven't been on a girl's holiday, like a girl's trip, since I was 18 and I'm going to be 25. That's seven years of no girl's trips. My group of friends, unfortunately, we're all very bad at getting together with these things and getting on top of plans and getting organized in time to organize this and also everyone lives in different places now so not everyone will be coming from the same place it's just all a bit complicated so I feel like that's why it hasn't happened but I'm actually going out with my family but then staying on and doing like a girl's trip at the end so you get the best of both worlds so yeah we're manifesting an incredible summer me you and everyone else and also why is it literally breakup season everyone I know and their mum no not on their mum everyone I know is literally going through a breakup right now what is in the air what is in the water maybe we all just want a hot girl summer okay right pit and peak of this week peak was Tuesday morning let me tell you about my Tuesday morning okay so I got up at I should have got up a little bit earlier because I was in a little bit of a rush but I got up at 6 15 me and some friends were meeting at 7am to do some cold water swimming in the sea at Helen's Bay. I say some friends, it was meant to be some friends, but one ended up sleeping in from, like, didn't wake up to her alarm, and the other ended up, her maps taking her to a different place, so she didn't arrive until after we'd gone in the sea, and then she just ran in for a quick, like, 30 second dip herself. But yeah, we, me and Aoife, it ended up just being us, met at seven o'clock and we went for a lovely little swim in Helen's Bay Sea. It was such a beautiful morning. I was expecting it to be a little bit more clear skies and sunny because it had originally said that Tuesday was meant to be 17 degrees with blue skies. It was a bit cloudy, but sometimes when it's a little bit cloudy, it makes the sunrise really nice. Like it makes the sky look so pretty. We actually managed to stay in the water for a decent bit of time, especially, so that was my second cold water swim of the year. I did the other one with the little book club thing that I was talking about the other week. I did the first one then, which didn't really last very long, but your first one of the year never does because you forget how cold it is. And also you almost start to get like sore or like stingy. It's like a stinging sensation, pain kind of on your limbs from how cold it is. But if you keep swimming and push past it, then you just go like a little bit numb and you don't feel it anymore. But I think when you haven't done it in a while and you feel that pain initially, you kind of freak out and you're just like, no, let's go, get out. (laughs) And then once you come out and you realise, or you feel really good after it and you're like, oh, I could have stayed in longer. And then I think it means each time you do it, then you have more willpower to stay in longer and to push past that pain. Anyway, I don't know how Aoife managed to push past that pain because that was her first cold water swim of the year. But 
we managed to stay in. It was nine, the video I took was nine minutes, but that was including walking in and out. So obviously you're not fully submerged for the whole nine minutes. But I wouldn't say we took too long getting in and out either. So I think that's a pretty decent time. I need to get a wee like waterproof watch of some sort so I can properly time them and start trying to like stay in longer each time. But we definitely stayed in long enough to really feel the effects of it. Like you just feel incredible when you come out. I can't even describe it. Although I am not one of those people that could come out and it be cold outside. Like I have to do it on good days only. It takes me too long to warm up at the best of times. Like I can't imagine get out and it then being windy or rainy or freezing cold. Because even when it's, you know, semi-warm, I'm still with a hot water bottle and a hot flask of tea running around the place trying to warm up. And, you know, as soon as I'm into the car, the heated seats are on, the hot air is blasting. So I really don't know how people do it year round, but I would love to be able to. And then we drove to the gym and we did a little workout together. We've moved on to a new shreddy guide. We're doing the Grace Fit Guide eight week thing, three day split. We did legs on Monday and upper body on Tuesday there. I was meant to go to the gym this morning in Leeds and do abs and cardio. But I woke up this morning and I was so sore from not from doing proper weights because we hadn't done them in a while. So I decided to give myself the day off. Although I'm probably not going to get around to doing that workout because now that I'm going to London. <laughs> Actually though, I'm going to a shreddy event tomorrow morning, which I think is a Pilates class. So surely that counts. I can replace it for that. So yeah, that whole morning was my peak. It was just incredible. I felt revitalised and I went back to Leeds on the same day. So I'm just glad I did it because you know what it's like when you go back to your uni place on the first day. It all just feels a little bit overwhelming. You don't really know what to do with yourself and you end up kind of just lying on your bed thinking, I don't know what to think or feel or do. So I'm just going to lie in bed overwhelmed and scroll on my phone until it's time to go to sleep. (laughs) That's what I end up doing every time I go back anyway. Do you know what? That was probably my pit of the week. Yeah, I'll say that was the pit. Um, I just think no matter how hard I try, that first day back is just never that nice, which is why I always try to do it either in the afternoon, like try to arrive in the afternoon or in the evening, because then it's not your full day you know, then at least it only takes you a little half day or evening to have that bad period and then you wake up the next day and you feel fine because that's what always happens after you sleep and you wake up in the new environment and you're sweet again. But I just think no matter how much I try, like yesterday I really, really tried to carry on how I started off. Like I started off the day so nice in Belfast and I thought we can keep this going, keep this energy up. I went to my favourite cafe, had a little iced coffee in the sun, was reading my book I went and did a little bit of a grocery shop so I could make myself some dinner and I was planning on like doing some uni work and just like having a nice evening but I just ended up coming back making dinner and going straight to bed because I just felt very overwhelmed but it's fine because I woke up this morning and I'm literally sweet. I've been trying to think of what my recommendation is for this week and I feel like with the sun coming out and it getting a little bit warmer we're getting into iced coffee season. I know for some people iced coffee season is a yearly thing but for me it's very much a thing that only comes into play when it starts heating up and even then when it starts heating up I still like to have my hot coffee in the morning but then I'll replace my afternoon coffee with an iced coffee and so my recommendation of this week is cold brew I feel like not enough people try or drink cold brew 
It is so good. To be fair, not that many places do it. But next time you're in a cafe and you want an iced coffee, see if they've got cold brew and give it a try. If you don't like black coffee, get a little splash of oat milk or whatever you like in your iced coffee thrown into it. But to be honest, I'm not a huge black coffee fan, but I can drink cold brew without milk in it because it's so not bitter like it's so smooth because they make it way different so basically the difference between getting like an iced americano to an iced cold brew is sorry you don't really need to say iced cold brew it just is cold anyway okay so the difference between the two things is that when you get an americano right you put it through the machine the coffee machine and it drips down and you get a hot americano and that you then put over ice to make it an iced americano yeah so it's just made instantly like that whereas a cold brew they leave the beans, the ground beans, to soak in cold water overnight. So, because you're not getting that, I guess, shock or like that immediate make of the coffee. That's like what can make it bitter sometimes, I guess. I don't really know. Anyway, I don't know the science behind it, but basically because they leave it to soak in cold water through the night, it creates a really strong but not bitter, kind of sweet and almost chocolatey tasting coffee. It just brings out very different notes, I guess. Look at me talking about coffee like I know what I'm talking about. I'm literally talking about it like it's wine. (laughs) But yeah, not a huge amount of places do it. I know that Juice Jar in Belfast do it. I know some cheese, I think Starbucks does it, don't they? I I really can't think of other places that do it, to be honest. If you've got any cold brew recommendations for me for Leeds, London or Belfast, please hit me up. I know that Emma Chamberlain's brand actually sells little cold brew bags that you leave to brew overnight in a big bottle of water and you can also get, I remember seeing this on TikTok, I'm gonna buy it I think when I go home at summer, it's like a big bottle and you put the groin beans in the middle and then you put the water in and it leaves it to brew overnight some it's like a big cold brew maker thing and just makes like a big liter or two liters of it for you so I definitely want to get that for summer how good would that be just opening the fridge every day to a fresh batch of cold brew okay my words of the week is some things have to end for better things to begin trust the process love this is an advertisement from better help therapy online guys I'm not gonna lie to you I feel like recently my emotions have just been all over the place like completely haywire And I know in myself it's because I'm bottling things up, I'm letting things stress me out and I'm spiralling about them, I'm not talking about it, I'm just sitting there overthinking them, letting them stress me out even more and as a result I'm irritable, I'm getting angry at things I shouldn't really be getting angry at, I'm not able to be present and be in the moment because all I'm thinking is how stressed out I am about certain things. I know I'm not alone in this, I know this is something that so many of us face, we feel like We don't want to talk to our friends and family members about things that are stressing us out because they might seem small or insignificant in comparison to other things. Or we might just not even know how to go about initiating that conversation or opening up in that way to certain people and just getting the words out. And that's why therapy can be such an amazing safe space to get things off of your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down and causing you to feel like this. I have benefited from therapy so much in the past and one of the main things I think therapy brought to my life was just an immediate safe space where I knew it was time for me to talk. It was time for me to open up and talk about my stressors. I didn't have to have this like 
awkward kind of chat where I was like, hey, I want to talk about this or like not really knowing how to go about that with a friend or a family member. It just is that safe space for you to open up about these things straight away and there's no faffing around. And I think dedicating that time each week and allowing that space for you to open up in that way is literally the most beneficial thing for your mental health because just getting it out there takes away half of the stress straight away. And then not only that, but you talk it through, you rationalize it, you learn, you know, different better ways you can cope with these stressors. Also how to develop healthy boundaries and healthy routines and things that are gonna be preventative for these stressors in the first place. Therapy honestly just empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And I mean, who doesn't want that? If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and completely suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. My listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash crack. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crack, C-R-A-I-C. And thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so for this week's podcast topic, I thought I'd talk a little bit about relationships being hard work or this idea that love is hard work. I feel like two words that always come to mind for me when people are discussing relationships and especially when people talk about marriage, there's always two words that come up and that is sacrifice and compromise. And as much as I do agree that yes, relationships and especially marriages and then when you become a family does involve a level of sacrifice and compromise. But I think the way we frame this notion of it involving, you know, of it all being centered around compromise and everything that you do has to be compromised essentially because I feel like that's literally how people talk about it. I think as a result of that we kind of forget what we mean by compromise And we end up letting a lot of other things slip that we shouldn't in the name of compromising in a relationship. Now, I do not for one second think that any relationship or any love is easy. I don't think any relationship you ever have in your entire life could be described as easy. Like all relationships are complex all relationships go through difficult times, all relationships have peaks and troughs as well, like there's times when you're madly in love with your partner and there's times where you're just not feeling it as much but that's still okay, like you still love them and you still know you're going to get back to where you were with them but that doesn't mean you're not going to have dips and it's the same in your friendships, like I'm sure there's so many friends you have that there's been times in your life where you've been so obsessed with each other, spending if not every day then at least 
ringing each other every day or texting each other every day and like always making plans at the weekend and then there's probably been months where you have barely seen them because other things in life get in the way and also that's just like how relationships go you just do it's a bit of a roller coaster sometimes and I think with romantic relationships especially when it comes to the point of like moving in together and things like that people's lives don't easily just slot into each other's without having to give it any thought that obviously takes work to make that work for both people and to make sure that both parties are happy with the the arrangements it sounds so like formal but like you kind of have to think of it in a way where it is an agreement because it has to work for both people's lives and fit into how they want to live their life and their values and their goals and their priorities do you know what I mean but at the same time both people there be a balance where both people have their own lives but then are able to come together and have this life together anyway I don't really know why I'm getting into this what was I saying <laughs> oh yeah sorry so all of that obviously takes work and I'm not denying that whatsoever and also definitely what takes work is I said about you know kind of having peaks and troughs within a relationship and you definitely need to put in the work when you're going through the troughs like both people are going to be distant from each other but or it might be one person is being distant and the other isn't and then they're feeling really shit about themselves like that takes work to get through together I'm not saying ever in life that any relationship is easy or should be easy but I think when we focus on this whole compromise thing within a relationship we can end up using that as an excuse for people's behavior and for not necessarily being happy with stuff in the name of compromising Here's an example of when compromising is essential in a relationship. One person is a big go-rider, big foodie. Love Their ideal date night is going out for drinks, going out for a meal and going out after that and just like getting drunk together. That's their ideal date, staying out late. The other person could take or leave that, you know, they, yeah, they have fun when they do it, but it's really not what they would plan for a date. Their ideal date is waking up at six o'clock on a Saturday morning, getting up, driving to go and do a trek somewhere in the mountains and bringing a little packed lunch and having like a flask of tea up in the mountains together and then maybe finishing it off having a pint in the pub and driving home or getting an ice cream or a chippy. (laughs) But the other person is really not a huge fan. That's just not how they have ever spent their Saturdays. That's not what they see as a romantic date. They're quite unfit. So the prospect of maybe doing a full day trek is a little bit intimidating to them. And just, yeah, it's just not what they would have in mind for a date. And so to compromise, you decide, okay, once a month, one person plans a date. And once a month, the other person plans a date. Or if you do date night every week, you alternate weeks. And then it means you both get your say in your perfect date night. Maybe with a few tiny, tiny tweakments to make it like a bit more enjoyable for the other person so they're not dreading it. That is where compromise is a great thing. That is where it is so needed. Imagine you carried on in that relationship without compromising and just always doing it one person's way. It would end up building so much resentment against that person and then it would end up in a big argument where the other person is like, you never want to do what I want to do. Everything's always down to you and your way. You don't care about what makes me happy. All this ends up in a big blowout when it didn't need to happen. All that needed to happen was a little bit of compromise on both sides. 
I feel like that's a very simple, very basic example. And I think compromise does become a lot more apparent, especially when kids are on the scene. I'm sure there is a lot of compromise and a lot of sacrifice involved when kids come into your life. After all, they do then become the priority, I guess. Now, here is a situation where I feel like we often would downplay it or justify in the name of compromise, especially our parents' generation and above that. I feel like maybe we're a little bit more clued into what's acceptable now, like what behaviour is acceptable now. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I don't know. Let's play on heterosexual relationship stereotypes here. And let's say that the man is socially inept and the woman is not. She's emotionally intelligent. This can obviously bring a lot of struggles in a relationship, a lot of communication struggles, a lot of issues. If you've got someone that is emotionally unintelligent and doesn't know how to talk about anything, how are you supposed to get through the times that are supposedly tough that you have to work through together when you don't have someone that's clued in on this shit? Do you know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of the time, probably before now, that scenario, that uh, stereotyped scenario Women have often been told, whether by their friends or by their partner or by their parents or whoever it is, women will be told, oh, but that's just the way he is. Like, you know, relationships are all about compromise. You're never, he's never going to be any different. So you may as well just, you know, accept him for what it is type of thing. And that is when I don't think, first of all, I don't think that is compromise. I think that is settling. And second of all, it's not a solution and it's not going to fix anything. That problem is only going to get bigger and worse. And that's the thing. What I think compromise truly is, is when you actually come to an agreeable solution for both people that makes the situation better for both people. In this scenario, it's not being resolved. There technically is no compromise, even though we're kind of made to feel that this is the compromise you must make in order to be with this man. And ultimately asking for someone to be emotionally intelligent, it's not a big ask. In fact, I would say it's the bare minimum. And if you're thinking, well then what is the compromise in this situation? What is the solution in this situation? I think a more, sorry, not I was going to say a more probable solution, but I, it's probably not more probable. It's in fact very much less probable, but the ideal solution to the situation would be the man going to therapy or the man working on his emotional intelligence in some capacity. I struggle to see how that could be done not within therapy. But I mean, if you have any suggestions, any ways that you've done it yourself without going through therapy, I'd love to know. Maybe some journaling, maybe some, I don't know, what else is out there? I guess as well, going through things and like maturity, maybe it comes with that a little bit. I know for me, it definitely came with age and with like experience in relationships. Like I definitely wasn't very emotionally intelligent when I was in my previous relationships. But compromising isn't settling. Compromising isn't lowering your standards. Compromising isn't going to sleep not content with your relationship because that's just the way someone is. Compromising is both people adjusting their behaviours or their actions or their whatever it is to make something work. 
and to meet in the middle to make that work. So if in this case, in this example of we've got the emotionally intelligent person and the emotionally inept person, if the emotionally inept person isn't willing to to work on that, that's not compromise. But as women, we're led to believe that it's a compromise for us to then be in the relationship. Am I making sense here? (laughs) I really hope I'm making sense. As much as I don't think relationships are going to be easy, they shouldn't be hard in a way that demands constant fighting, constant like demanding for their time or reassurance or love. It shouldn't leave you feeling drained. It shouldn't leave you feeling like you don't know if it's worth it. They're hard work, yes, but they're hard work in a sense that they require communication in probably ways you haven't communicated before, which is hard in itself. They require you to always think about someone else, but I do argue that that should probably come a bit naturally if it's the right person. And you just kind of have to always think about the other person, not in terms of like, what they want but also how your actions and how what you say is perceived and that therefore affects them so yes relationships are hard and yes it takes work to find a routine that works for both of you and to find ways of communicating that works for both of you and to find ways of showing love to each other that works for both of you and also just getting balance right between seeing each other enough that you know one person thinks is enough but maybe the other person doesn't or spending enough quality time together because I always say for me especially like I don't think it's the amount of time like the length of time that you spend together it's the quality of time that you do spend together and if people are putting in the effort when you are spending time together to make you feel secure and to make you feel loved and leave you coming away from the time that you did spend together feeling just feeling secure feeling loved feeling like you have your person that you know you can stand on no matter what and I personally don't think that comes from just spending copious amounts of time together like spending days on end together but just like binge watching series and not really talking to each other it doesn't do much for your relationship yeah it's really fun to do that sometimes and especially you know if you're hungover or you're sick or you're just feeling really lazy and you just want a cozy day with them yeah that feels incredible but like it doesn't make you feel like you're in a secure relationship if you have to ask someone whether they love you or care about you or whether you're a priority in their life that in itself like you having to ask them in itself is the answer you're looking for because you wouldn't have to ask that if they felt that way. They would make sure that you always felt like a priority and you always felt cared about and you always felt loved if that's how they felt. There would be no question about it. You wouldn't lie in bed at night questioning whether they feel a certain way or questioning whether this is the right relationship to be in or crying yourself to sleep over someone that you supposedly love because they don't show up for you in the way that they're supposed to. And if that is you right now, honestly, one day you will find someone whose love you'll never have to question and who makes you feel like a priority every day. Even if it doesn't involve spending copious amounts of time together, that doesn't matter because they still make you feel like a priority. 
And that's not to say they're going to be perfect. No one is perfect. No relationship is perfect. And I don't think striving for perfection in a relationship is realistic whatsoever. But even though they're not perfect, they'll still know how to communicate with you in a way that makes you feel heard and respected. So that even in the worst situation, even in the troughs of the relationship and through the messy arguments and the just the blips along your relationship and the hard times you still go to sleep at night feeling full of unconditional love and not questioning that there's not a doubt in your mind of whether they love you or not you will just know it and you'll feel their emotional support through thick and thin and you'll be able to get through the hard times together and know how to support each other to get through those times and to come out the other side stronger in your relationship as opposed to feeling drained and defeated and unloved and not a priority and not special something I always like to think right I don't even particularly think I want kids but I always like to think in this way or to tell my friends to think in this way and that is that you need to think when you're with someone would I have babies with this person would I be happy to create mini versions of them and for them to grow up and be exactly like them and also would I be happy with the way that they show up for me in this relationship would I be happy with them showing up for their kids in that way and if the answer is no then what the fuck are you doing (laughs) even if you're listening to this and you don't want kids so you're like yeah but that doesn't apply to me because I don't want kids no because that's me as well but regardless of the kids thing I just think that is very telling that's a big sign I actually saw a TikTok about this yesterday you know Sorel she's Coco Sorel on TikTok And she, I talked about it recently when I did a recommendation of the week and I mentioned hers and Candice Braithwaite's podcast called Closet Confessions. Basically, Sorel was talking about like the whole thing where women are surprised when their men end up being deadbeat fathers, yet they were, they weren't good in the relationship. So like, how did you expect them to then be with their kids? And it really just re-reminded me of this whole thing to think to yourself when you're even when you're just seeing someone, would I have kids with this person and would I be happy creating mini thems? Because ultimately that's how they will raise them to be. Maybe a little bit less of them because they'll have your input as well, but do you know what I mean? Something that really stuck with me was something that one of my friends said to me when I was like first going through my breakup in like November, December time. I remember I rang her bawling my eyes out like right after it had happened Now she's one of my best friends and I can really rely on her for being there for me in times like this and also just coming off with some great like pieces of advice or just little, how would you describe it? Nuggets of knowledge, shall we say? (laughs) Not even nuggets of knowledge. I don't really know how to describe it. I just feel like she comes off with a lot of good things when you are, when you need the emotional support. Maybe I should get her on the podcast sometime actually. Anyway, she said to me, you need to think, right, 50 years down the line when you're actually, let's say 60 years. So I'll be 85. 60 years down the line when you are old, maybe not quite as mobile as you are now, your looks have faded, your hair is gone, your (laughs) sight and hearing is maybe a little bit gone as well. You know, a lot of things have gone out the window. You're not having sex anymore. You're not partying with your partner and having like fun, wild, late nights with them that re-spark your love for each other. You live very simple, quiet lives. Are you going to be the couple that still have 
a deep connection and still get on like you always did, entertaining each other, still making each other laugh and smile and feel loved? Or are you going to be that couple that sit on the sofa, like sit on opposite sofas in the living room and don't speak to each other? One reads the paper, one watches the TV. Because you actually don't really have much in common and there wasn't really a deep connection there to start with. You just loved the life that you lived together and enjoyed having sex and partying together and I don't know, all these other things that came with it. And maybe then you had kids. So then that was like your bonding thing over them and you live for your kids. But now all your kids have moved out and gone to university and got jobs elsewhere. So now it's just you two. What does your life look like? Are you just cohabiting the same house? Or are you in a great loving relationship that exists well beyond the means of having sex and drinking together? That even when all those things are gone and out the window, you still have this unbreakable bond and this unconditional love for each other. It doesn't go, it doesn't fade along with the looks and with youth and with sex and with everything else that comes with that. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, I think what I'm trying to get at is that... (laughs) Yes, love and relationships can be hard work in a lot of senses. They're not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be like some smooth sailing ride. But I also think they're not supposed to put you through hell and back. They shouldn't involve you having to give up everything that makes you happy in life. Or they shouldn't involve you settling for less and not feeling valued at the end of the day. And you should never put not being happy in a relationship down to relationships being hard work. I think I'll leave it there for this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. As always, thank you so much for all your love and support. Remember to give the podcast five stars on Spotify and follow and turn notifications on and you'll get a little notification every time there's a new episode. Share the here for the crack word if you enjoyed this week's episode. Post it on your Instagram story. Share it with your friends and family. Shout out to George Gill for my intro and outro music and to Molly Ray for my gorgeous podcast cover art. I love you all so much and I will speak to you in next week's episode. Bye!